0: Let's turn uh, in the word to Luke chapter 9. Luke, Luke chapter 9. Luke. Luke Luke, Luke chapter After 9. nine. Yes. Yeah. We're um We know that we're living in the last of the last days and um You know, if there ever was a time that we need to be mindful and be uh, recalling the authority that, that God has given us here on the earth, uh, it's right now. Because as the word says in the last days, it's going to be dangerous times, times of high risk and so forth. So if there ever was a time we need to be reminded about the authority that we have over the earth, in the earth, over the devil, over evil spirits and demons and so forth, um, and sickness and disease and all that, it's right now. So we want to uh, just remind ourselves about, about these things. And in Luke 9, let me get back over there, verse uh, 1, it says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Let's say this together. He gave them power and authority. He gave them power and authority over all devils. Over all devils and to cure diseases. And secure diseases. Uh, so, in order to deal with demons and disease, we need power and authority, and Jesus uh, gave it to his disciples, and he has given it to us. Now, uh, in the King James Version, uh, it primarily uses the word power to translate several different Greek words. Uh, One of the words translated power is dunamis, and uh, the Companion Bible uh, calls this inherent power. The power of reproducing itself, from which we get the word dynamics, yes. or dynamite, dynamite, or dynamo. So, dunamis power is creative power. Another word that's often translated power, especially in the King James Version, is the Greek word exousias. It's a different <laughs> word, but it's often translated power in the King James Version but it actually means authority. It really should be translated authority or delegated authority. It's the liberty and right to use power. It's the liberty and right to put forth power. So um, I just wanted to, to clarify that because uh, if you're using the King James Version uh, and, you, and you run across this word power very often, sometimes it means dunamis, creative power. Sometimes it actually should be uh, translated authority. So today we're talking about exousia authority, delegated power. Delegated authority to, to use power. Now, uh, we'll turn the page over to Luke 10. And in Luke 10, verse 1, it says, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So now, in addition to the 12 original disciples, he sends out an additional 70. So now there are at least 82 disciples that Jesus has given power and authority over devils and disease. Verse 17. Uh, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So these 82 uh, disciples, or these 70, in this case, these 70 disciples came back saying that the devils uh, are subject to us. They obey us in your name. Now, these 70 disciples, this is not Peter, James, James. John, uh, or any of the 12 original disciples. These are 70 other believers. We don't even know their names. We don't even know who these people are. They're not mentioned by name in the Bible. Yet Jesus has given them authority over sickness and disease and devils, and they come back uh, from their travels excited about this. Verse 18, And he said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So Jesus told them, I personally saw Lucifer fall from his position in heaven. And we know that Lucifer uh, was not created evil. He was uh he was he, second to God. Yeah, he was. He was an angel. Yeah, he was uh, in a state of holiness yes. at that time, but he openly rebelled. Yes, against God, and he led a rebellion in heaven against God, Fair and God right. threw him out on the earth. And Adam, with his spiritual eyes wide open, willfully handed his delegated authority from God over. To God's enemy, Satan. And in 2 Corinthians 4 4, it calls Satan the God of this world or the God of this world system. So for the first 4,000 years of history throughout the Old Testament, Satan had authority in the earth. But God had a plan and At the right time, he sent Jesus to the cross. He took our sicknesses. He took our lack. He took our failure. He took our distress. And he went into hell for three days, and he paid the penalty for all of it. And when Jesus had paid that price for our sin and all of its byproducts, God spoke down into hell and said, let him go. Let him go. And in Colossians 2.15, it says, Jesus spoiled the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And in Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, I have the keys of hell and death. So Satan is no longer the big shot he used to be. He is an eternally defeated foe. And no one has ever experienced failure on the level that Satan has. Verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give uh, unto you power. Now in the New King James, It says, Behold, I give you authority. And that's really how it should be translated. Uh, In chapter 9, it said, uh, Power and Authority. Again, authority is this word exousia. It means the jurisdiction, or the right, or the influence, or the capacity, or the liberty to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So when Jesus finished telling them this, uh, do you think they were afraid of the devil? No. No, not after Jesus gave them authority over him and said, I give you authority over these devils. I give you authority over these sicknesses and diseases. They had no reason to be afraid then. They had no reason to be afraid. They, they, were, um, they were not having second thoughts about going because they knew whatever they encounter out there, Jesus has given us his authority and his name to um, exercise over these evil spirits. So, so Jesus did that to equip them for going out and knowing that they were going to encounter these evil spirits and 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 demons that were influencing people and sickness and disease. So Jesus equipped them and prepared them uh, with it the, with His authority to go out and and have influence over these devils. So from then on, they had. No reason really to fear these demons. Now, concerning evil spirits and the spiritual realm, there are those who don't believe that there's any such thing. There are even Christians who don't believe that there's any such thing. In Jesus' day, uh, there were the Sadducees who were this religious group, they did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in the immortality of the soul, and they did not believe in the spirit realm. They didn't believe in angels or demons or anything like that. Uh, Acts 23 8 says, For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit. So they didn't believe in the spirit realm at all. They didn't believe in angels, demons, the resurrection. Uh, and some of their descendants are still around today who don't believe in the spirit world. If, if, if you're talking about uh, something that's unseen, if they can't see it or touch it or feel it, uh, they don't believe in it. Uh, you know, uh, they, they and, and of course the devil loves these people, these kind of people, because he can come in and devour them at his will. Because of their lack of knowledge, he takes advantage of their lack of knowledge. And, and, he, and they're open for the devil to come in and devour them. Uh, the devil also knows that, that these people are not going to hinder his activity. Um, and, and he can operate in their lives and in their environment with no limitations or restrictions at all. John 4, 24, Jesus said, God is a spirit and we are created by God in his likeness and image. So we are spirits. We have a mind and we live in a physical body, but our body is not us. We are a spirit. We just live in a physical body that enables us To move about on this earth and come into contact with the physical realm here. Our our physical body enables us to do that. Now, the medical world only deals with the body and the mind. Uh, Unless you're dealing with a medical professional who's a Christian, uh, they don't acknowledge the spiritual dimension of a man or a woman. Uh, if when, when your body dies, you, you're still going to exist. You're still going to have your mental faculties. Uh, angels and demons operate in the spiritual unseen realm, and they are real. And we know the discerning of spirits, which is one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, where someone usually... Someone in the ministry, but not necessarily, but usually someone in ministry who has the discerning of spirits, they have their spiritual eyes open and they can see demonic spirits or even angels, either one, in the spirit realm. Now, so you have that one group of people who don't believe in demons or evil spirits at all, and then you have another group of people who believe that there's a demon behind every bush. And, you know, they they just want to cast the devil out of everything. Um, These evil spirits are real, but for the child of God, for you and me, they are nothing to fear. They're nothing for us to fear. Now, for an unbeliever who does not have authority over them, they have a reason to be afraid. We know about the... The incident in Acts 19 concerning the sons of Sceva, they were a, a group of uh, Jews uh, who were traveling around and they observed uh, Paul's ministry and they saw that these handkerchiefs were taken from Paul's body and certain and put on certain people and these evil spirits left them. And they thought, wow, that's cool. We'll, we'll try that. <laughs> We'll try it, you know, and uh, so they said to this evil spirit, come out in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, and the evil spirit in the man spoke back to them and said, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? This evil spirit knew that these, uh, these, these particular Jewish people, they knew that they had no authority to be casting them out. They were just trying to use authority that they saw that Paul had, but they weren't uh, believers in Christ themselves, and they they didn't actually have the authority to cast that demon out. And that demon knew they had no authority to cast them out, and the evil spirit in that man jumped on those Jews, beat them up. And ran them off with no clothes. So uh, that evil spirit knew that these men were not believers. And they had no authority to cast him out. So they didn't have to obey. And they knew that. Jesus said, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, James 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will leave. He will flee from you. The uh, Young's Literal Translation says, Be subject then to God. Stand up against the devil. Stand up against the devil. And he will flee from, from you. So, uh, this group of people, you know, that believes that there is no devil and there's no evil spirits. If, if that's the case, if there really is no devil or evil spirits, then why would James tell us to stand up against the devil if there is no devil? No. The truth is, uh, we have an unseen enemy. And the Bible does it tell us to ask God to get him to leave? Yes. Then nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to pray to God to get the devil off of us. The Bible says that we are to stand up against the devil and he will flee from us. The uh, New Century Version says he will run from you. He will run from you. Yes. The voice translation says he will run away in failure. And the truth is the devil is afraid of you as a born again believer. That's the truth. We have no reason to fear him. The truth is he's a, afraid of us. He's just like a bully on the playground. He goes around seeing, you know, trying to pick on the weakest People and and just see uh, who will put up with him, you know, and and who will run away from him. We're not supposed to be afraid of the devil. We're supposed to stand up against him. And when we stand up against him, what does the word say? It says, he will flee. He will run away from you and me. Now, uh, let's turn back a few pages over to Luke. 4. And this is the account of Jesus in the wilderness. And in verse uh, 3, it says, And the devil said to him, Jesus, talking about Jesus, the devil said to him, If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus Answered him. So the devil talked to Jesus, and Jesus talked back to the devil, so there must be a devil. (laughs) Okay? That's pretty straightforward. Verse 5 And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, Let's see what, we in verse 6. Uh, in the King James, it says, All this power I will give thee. But in the New King James, it says, All this authority I will give you. And that's the correct translation. Yes. All this authority I will give you uh, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. So, the devil had at that time had this authority. Where did he get it? He got it from Adam, way back there. So it it was the devil's to give at that time. Um, If the devil did not have this authority to give Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, number one, Jesus would have known about it. Jesus would have known that was a lie. If, he, if the devil really didn't have that authority. Um, number two, if it wasn't the devil's to give, then it would not have been a temptation to Jesus. And the Bible here says it, Jesus was tempted by this. The devil's trying to give him a way out of, of having to go to the cross. Uh, and this is this is just part of his temptation, so Jesus was tempted by this, so it was the devil's to give. Uh, you know, if you just turn on the news, it's obvious that God is not running things there's a lot of things happening in the earth that are not the will of god so so when you hear people say uh you know uh." Why is all this bad? Why do, Why is all this bad stuff happening? Why does God allow, uh, you know, most people think God's doing this, but God's not doing all this uh, evil. So when you hear people ask you, you know, where's all this coming from? Why is this happening? You say sin, wicked people, and the devil. That's why you turn on the news and you hear about all these bad things. It's sin wicked people and the devil who's influencing them and then and then they'll say well why doesn't god do something about it uh, he's already done something about it that's why we're talking about this god's already done something in psalm 115 16 it says the heaven even the heavens are the lord's but the earth the earth hath he given to the children of men. So we are the ones with the authority on this earth. We have been given authority over these evil spirits and sicknesses and diseases and so forth. Um, How much murder, stealing, cancer, and AIDS do you think there is in heaven? None. None. Why? Because God is in complete control of heaven. God's in control of everything that's happening in heaven. God's not in control of everything that's happening here on the earth. Down here, men are in control. That's why it's so messed up. And, and most of them, most of the men and women who are in control, they're not looking to God. They're yielding to the devil. They're yielding to these evil spirits and and demonic influences. They're yielding to them. In most cases, many of these world leaders or local or county leaders, national leaders, they dare not even mention God these days. So they're certainly not looking to God. That's why we pray for them. Uh, Back in, I think it was 2017, President Trump was in Israel where he gave a speech, uh, or several speeches, and within, uh, uh, within the speeches that he made, he mentioned God 29 times. He mentioned God 29 times in his speeches. Now, this is not the norm for world leaders today, unfortunately. Jesus prayed, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if His will was already being done on the earth, Jesus wouldn't have told us to pray that His will needed to be done on the earth. Uh, Let's move on to verse 7. Therefore, if you will worship me, all shall be thine. So the devil's trying to tempt Jesus into yielding to him. Uh, this is what he did to Adam and Eve. Same, same type temptation. Uh, the first thing he tempted Adam and Eve with was food. And he tempted Jesus with food here in the wilderness after he had, been, he had reached the point of starvation. After starving for 40 days, he tempted him with something to eat. And Adam and Eve failed that test, but Jesus passed the test. The Bible refers to Jesus as the last Adam. The first Adam failed the test, the last Adam passed the test. Amen. So Jesus did not yield to the devil. He stood up against him. And in verse 13, it says, he, the devil, uh, Uh, departed from him until an opportune time he departed for a season Uh, he ran away in failure just like James said that he would so uh, if you yield to the enemy he knows he doesn't have to flee from you but if you Submit to God and yield to God and stand up against the devil. He knows he has to flee. He has to run away. Why? Because of who you are. Because you have the authority of Jesus. You have the name of Jesus. You're, you're uh, created in his image and likeness. We have the same spirit in us that Jesus had when he walked on the earth. And we have his name, therefore uh, the devil has to regard us the same way he regarded Jesus. He has to obey us the same way he obeyed Jesus. Uh, He has encountered God and Jesus before. He doesn't want to deal with God. And when you know who you are in Christ and what you can do in his name, the devil does not want to deal with you either. And he will flee and he'll go on down the road somewhere else. Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against. Stand against against. the walls of the devil. Now that's the same words that James used. He said, submit to God and stand up against the walls of devil. The devil, and, and stand up against him and he will flee. So when the devil sees you wearing the armor of God, as long as you keep that face plate on the helmet pulled down, he doesn't know if it's Jesus in there or if it's, God, if it's you in there. So he has to assume it's Jesus and he has to do whatever you tell him to do in Jesus' name. When we're wearing that full armor of God Uh, for all he knows it's God and he's got to run so God intends for us to live here on earth like he does and Jesus is our example verse 8 and Jesus um, let's see we're going we're going back here for a moment back to verse 8 in Luke 4. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get behind me, Satan. So let's let's say that together. Let's practice. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Let's say that again. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Amen. Even the most spiritual men and women of God have had perverted thoughts and suggestions from the devil in their mind. It, it happens to everybody. Everybody, the, the mind is where the devil, that's his battleground, really. That's where he comes uh, to accuse us, to tempt us, uh, and threaten us, and so forth. Uh, so when he comes to us with these thoughts and suggestions then he'll try to turn around and condemn you for having the thoughts and, and suggestions that he brought to your mind. He'll try to condemn you for it. But it's no sin to be tempted by by thoughts and suggestions. It's only a sin when you yield to it. Just having a a, a negative thought or suggestion, there's no no sin in that. It's when we yield to it. That's when it becomes a sin. But if Christians don't believe in the devil or if they don't know how he operates by targeting them in their mind, then they don't recognize where these thoughts are coming from. Uh, And so we don't play with these thoughts and suggestions. We don't play with these thoughts and, and suggestions. Let's practice this again. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Stand up against him and what will happen? He will run away. Now that doesn't mean that he won't come back <laughs> at some no, point. Now there have been times... When, that. Yeah, there have been times when I had to cast Never him out a hundred yeah. times in a day. I mean, if it there, turned up in another you know, Second Corinthians ten, it nasty, nasty bit of work. Second Corinthians ten, you know, talks about casting down imaginations and every high, high thing, thing that exalts itself against, against the word the of God, of God. God yes. and bringing into captivity every thought yes. to the obedience of Christ. And there have been times when I mean, I, I got professional at casting down these imaginations and thoughts. So you you can do it. But we we don't entertain them. We don't uh, meditate on them. We cast them out. We stand up against the devil and we cast them out. Now, here in Luke 4, the devil threw everything he had at Jesus and yet he still failed to get Jesus to yield to him. Now, let's look. If you look at verse... uh, 32 of the same chapter. Verse 32, Luke 4. Um, This is, um, let's see, they're in the synagogue here in uh, Capernaum. It says, And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Now isn't it amazing that demons instantly knew who Jesus was? They instantly knew that he was sent by God. And yet, the Pharisees and scribes and teachers of the law and all the religious people, uh, I think deep down, they really did know Jesus was from God, but they just would not tolerate it. They just would not accept it. They just didn't want to deal with him. Um, And and it it made them so mad, actually, that they... We know they tried to throw him off a cliff at one point. Now, you hear the the tone of this evil spirit. Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Do you think Jesus was scared of this evil spirit? No. No, he wasn't scared of it. And you can tell by the, the tone of this evil spirit's voice, they're afraid of Jesus. They're afraid of Jesus. In, in, in the New King James, it says, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? So you can hear the, the fear, really, in, in this evil spirit's voice. They're afraid of Jesus. Jesus is not afraid of them. Um, so we're children of God. The greater one is on the inside of you. The anointing of God is inside you and you should not be afraid. And the reason that He flees from us when we stand up against Him is because He's afraid of us. So, let's let's see how, how did Jesus handle evil spirits. Verse 35. But Jesus rebuked Him. Now, the word rebuke comes from an old french word that means to beat back or to beat down it it means a sharp disapproval to beat back or to beat down it says jesus rebuked him saying um hold thy peace hold thy peace uh, the new king says be quiet and come out of him now that's a bit more modern Language. Be quiet and come out of him. Today we wouldn't say hold thy peace. That's just an a uh, King James English. Today we would say shut up. Shut up and come out of him. Yes. Now Jesus did not say shh. Be quiet. Be quiet. No. No. He rebuked. He, he made a sharp disapproval he was not speaking softly he said shut up and come out he said it with authority and these are two of the most important things you need to know about dealing with the devil in any form or fashion number one shut up number two come out let's practice number, it together one shut, shut up out. Number two, come, come out. out. That's the way Jesus dealt with evil spirits. Jesus is our example. He said, shut up and come out. Does this sound like Jesus was scared of this evil spirit? No. no. Like we, we can't even imagine Jesus being scared or backing off no. from these demon spirits. Now also notice... In these situations where, where Jesus encountered these evil spirits, he did not get into a conversation with them. Um, I, I think sometimes uh, it's popular in some Christian circles where people want to start engaging in a conversation with these evil spirits and they start questioning them, you know, go on and on and on in a conversation. That is not what you do. Uh, Jesus did not get into a conversation he didn't allow them to even speak you notice also he did not just call them derogatory names he didn't say Were well, you slimy no good worthless good for nothing uh, spirit no uh, he didn't call them derogatory names. You, you, you just do what he did. You give the faith command in the name of Jesus and believe it's done. You don't get into a conversation with him. You don't just call them mean names. You say, shut up and come out in Jesus' name. Now, it's important to note that we don't have authority over people. We're, we're not talking to people. Jesus was not talking to these uh, people. He was talking to the evil spirit uh, operating through them and behind them. He, was, he, he wasn't saying shut up to the person. He was saying shut up to the evil spirit that was influencing these people. So we don't have authority over people, but we do have authority over the devil verse 35 uh, but Jesus rebuked him shut up and come out of him and when the demon had thrown him in their midst it came out of him and did not hurt him when Jesus told this evil spirit to come out it came out because Jesus told him to come out Verse 36. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power. There's those two words. For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Isn't this what Jesus gave the twelve disciples and then the additional seventy disciples. Isn't this also what he gave to you and me? Authority and power. He commanded the unclean spirits, and they do what? They come out. Yes. Yeah. These people observed it's it was with authority and power Jesus commanded these spirits they obeyed him and they came out because he told them to come out Shut up come out Amen Let's do it one more time so you don't forget Shut up and come out Shut up and come out Now we're about to see here in the next few verses That we can deal with sickness in the same way. Now this may seem seem strange to some uh, people from traditional church backgrounds because the church got away from this. uh, As far back as hundreds of years ago, and unfortunately much of the church has never gotten back to this uh, example in the Bible. Uh, If we're going to be Christians, Jesus is going to be our example, not the Sadducees, not the Pharisees, but the Christ. And if we're going to be victorious, we're going to have to deal with things the way Jesus dealt with them. And verse 37, and the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Uh, the church as a whole has allowed much of the junk, uh, that the devil's doing to carry on and not to shut it down in the earth. And that is, uh, one of the major reasons why we turn on the news today and we see, uh, all of this perversion in the world and perversion in schools, corruption in government, uh, you know, just every sphere of, of life almost is, is, we see corruption in some form there. Um, and it's primarily because the, the church has allowed much of this to go on. Um, and, and, and it's the devil's doing, and we have not shut it down in the earth. We have not shut it down in individuals' lives. Uh, in 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 their bodies, in their finances, and many people are just tolerating these things. Many people are just tolerating these things and acting powerless to do anything about it. And that's why many believers are discouraged. And they turn on the news and they say, you know, why is all this happening? And why doesn't somebody do something about it? And they're looking all these. Decades people have been looking to the government to do something about it, and it's not the government's job and the Much of the governments of the world now are corrupted anyway Um, So it's not the government's job. It's the church's job and the devil has kept much of the church behind the four walls of the church for all these decades and While we were having church, he was out in the world working behind the scenes, organizing all of this chaos, and he's quite happy for us to just stay in the church and do our little thing and not get involved in the government and not get involved in the schools and not get involved in business and the workplace and the media and entertainment world and all that. He just wants us to stay in our uh, four walls of our churches and just, you know, do our thing. So um, a lot of people also believe it's the will of God for some of this to happen and that God's allowing it to happen. Uh, No, God's not allowing this to happen. We've been allowing it to happen. The church as a, a whole has been allowing this to happen. And when we see an area where the devil is working, we need to do what Jesus did. We need to bind it up, shut it up stop it and tell it to come out in the name of Jesus. When organized religion replaced truth with traditions, they stopped getting the results of Jesus. And religion does not have the answers. For the most part, uh, results, religion replaces results with explanations and excuses. That, that's pretty much what happens when tradition replaces truth. And much of the church today has plenty of traditions and rituals and explanations and excuses while the works of Jesus are not being done. Uh, we want results. We don't want talk. We don't want explanations and excuses. We want results and experiencing victory and healing and provision and protection and freedom and being led supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Um, In order to to experience this, we have to get away from tradition and get back to the truth of God's Word. Now, in verse 38, it says, He arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. Now, I've been to Israel once, and we went to Capernaum, and the, the ruins of this synagogue is still there. There are still fragments of it in place. And just what would be across the street and a few doors down uh, is the ruins of uh, Peter's house, where Jesus went to on this occasion. The, the, the ruins are still there, They built a church over it on stilts. But underneath this church uh, are still some of the walls and the ruins of Peter's house where Jesus went to in this chapter after he left the synagogue. Uh, It says, And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a fever, and they besought him for her. So it sounds like she had A delirious fever, yes, and she was kind of out of her mind with this delirium. Yeah, verse thirty-nine, and he stood over her. Now, does it say he stood over her and he prayed, Father, our sister's in a bad way, and and she's suffered so much, but she's worked so hard for you, and she's worked in the church. And we don't understand your mysterious ways. And and we we know you're you're teaching our sister something through this suffering, and we know everything happens for a reason. No. No, Jesus did not pray that way. No. As a matter of fact, he didn't pray at all. Jesus did not pray at all. But what what I just said, that's the way most of the church world deals yes. with these things. That's the way most of the church world prays over these people. Lord, we don't, we don't know why this is happening. Our sisters is such a good Christian and she, she works so hard in the church, but, but your will be done. Uh, Jesus never prayed that way. Peter, James, John never prayed that way. So why does half the church world pray that way? No, Jesus. it says Jesus stood over her and he rebuked the fever. There's that word again. He rebuked the fever. That's what we just read. The same thing he did with the evil spirit in that man in verse 35. He did the same thing again. So, Jesus spoke to that fever. That means fevers can hear. Fevers can hear you. Jesus, Jesus wasn't talking to God. He was talking directly to the fever. He wasn't talking to the lady. He was talking to the fever. Now, if if Jesus was here today and he did that, most people would think he was crazy. Uh, the religious people of Jesus' day believed he was crazy. Yeah. They accused him of casting out demons by Beelzebub, which is uh, Baal worship, uh, which was uh, one of the gods of the Philistines. Uh, they they accused Jesus of casting out demons by beelzebub in other words they were attributing the works of god to satan and jesus said that's the only sin that man will not be forgiven of is attributing uh, the works of god to satan which is blaspheming the holy spirit jesus said that's the only sin that men will not be forgiven of but we see in the word jesus talked to trees he talked to the weather. He talked to wind and waves. He talked to fever. He talked to evil spirits. So I imagine Jesus would have a difficult time getting into many churches today because they would think he was crazy. They would think, They would say, that's not the way we do things in our denomination. We don't do that here. Verse 39, Jesus rebuked the fever. What does it say next? And it left her. And it left her. So if Jesus spoke to the fever, rebuked it, we saw that means a sharp disapproval. To beat down or to beat back, Jesus spoke with sharp disapproval to this fever. Well, if it left her, then obviously it could hear him. It could hear Jesus if he spoke to it, and then it left. So if fevers can hear, can high blood pressure hear? Can arthritis hear? Can diabetes hear? Can cancer hear? This is what shocked the people, including the religious people. Uh, The way that Jesus spoke with boldness and authority, Whatever he said happened, and they had never seen this before. Jesus knew the fever would obey him. He knew the fig tree would obey him. He knew the wind and the waves would obey him. He knew dead people would obey him. And the people weren't used to that. They were used to hearing the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers and the chief priests, these religious people pontificating about their self-righteousness and what you could and could not do on the Sabbath. That's all these people ever heard. They never heard anybody like Jesus come along and speak with boldness and authority over these evil spirits and and speak to the weather and and it obeyed him. This is what amazed them. And the the religious leaders, they uh, desperately wanted Jesus to be like them. They saw his ability at 12 years old in the temple. And Jesus was a great disappointment to them, (laughs) I'm sure. But uh, uh, Jesus rebuked those religious people for putting their rules and regulations on people instead of preaching the blessing of Abraham. Now in verse 39 it says, And he stood over her, and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. So one minute she's delirious with fever, the next minute she's out serving, uh, serving them. So Jesus walked in, saw the situation, and said, Fever, get off her and come out. He spoke directly to the fever. Now this is foreign much of the church world, much of the church world has gotten away from this. Uh, you know, I was at a, a birthday party once, a girl in the church where I was going to invited me to her birthday party. We were sitting around chatting and one of her neighbors was there and um, she, she was a Christian. She, she went to a, to a church. And we were chatting, and she, and she, this girl made the comment, um, well, I don't see why you have, have to, uh, you know, speak with authority to the devil. I don't see why you have to, to be firm with him, you know. Um, and let, let's put it like this. Um, let's say you, you got new carpet in your house, you got a new sofa, you got new curtains, new furniture, and you go off into another part of the house. And, um, let's say you live out in the country and, and you come back in, uh, the living room and there's this muddy, filthy hog standing in the middle of your white carpet, um, rubbing up against your new sofa uh tracking all this mud uh all throughout the house and uh, let's say you got into patio doors or something you left the patio doors open and this muddy hog walks in and he's tracking this dirt all over your clean new carpet new furniture curtains and everything uh and you walk back into the room now There's no way that you would look at that hog and say, well, I guess the Lord sent this hog to our house to teach us something. No, you would not say that. You know, this stink, this filth, this, you know, dirt, we'll never get this stuff out of here. You know, but but the Lord's ways are mysterious, and I guess he's trying to teach us something. The Lord's will be done. No, you would never do that. Nobody in the natural would ever do that. But what you would do, you would get a broom or a stick or something, and you'd start chasing that filthy, stinking hog out of your house. That's what you would do in, from a practical standpoint. But when it comes to spiritual things, people just tolerate this stuff, and they think God must have sent this for some reason. And uh, they don't deal with it the the way they would deal with the filthy hog in their house. You know, you would beat that hog, you'd drive it right out of your house. And that's the way we're supposed to deal with the devil. People will tolerate, uh, you know, uh, sickness in their body. They'll tolerate financial problems. They'll tolerate their kids going off the rail. And, and the devil has just come in and set up camp in their house. They're going to a church every Sunday and saying whatever the Lord wants. That's not, that's not it. What the Lord wants is for us to stand up against the devil and take authority over him with your kids, with your finances, with your body. To, and, and take authority over him. He has to leave. Uh, our government. He has to leave our house. He has to leave our schools. He has to leave our bodies. He has to leave our kids and our family in the name of Jesus. And religion teaches you to accept everything that happens as the will of God. And this is not the way Jesus operated. And why does half of the church operate this way? This is not the way Jesus operated. Jesus has told us What to do when your kids or your grandkids get a fever or anything else? What do you do? You stand over it. You rebuke it. You speak to that fever or whatever it is. You command it to come out, to leave in Jesus' name. He's giving us the example right here. We need to know what is not of God and what is of God and what, and what is not of God, we're to stand up against it. And this is probably the root cause uh, in much of the body of Christ in this area is a lack of knowledge about what even is of God and what's not of God. That's step one, really. If, if you don't know what's of God and what's not of God, then you're already... Uh, subject to the devil you're you're already uh open to his uh, his attack there with really no defense and it's only from the word of god that we find out what is of god and what's not of god and it's it's this lack of knowledge where satan uh takes advantage over many christians we stand up and we say no devil not in this house Not in my body, not in my kids, not in our school, not in our government, not in our country. Stop and get out in Jesus' name. Now, that's what you call rebuking it. It's a sharp disapproval. You don't talk nice to him. Now, if you're in a public place, you can't really approach it that way. If you're in a public place or you're with other people, uh, just get off to the side somewhere or uh, do it quietly or just rebuke the devil under your breath. Now, if you're in the privacy of your own home and and you can cut loose, when I'm at home by myself, I can cut loose. It's just me. Uh, you know, nobody else is going to hear me except the devil or God or whatever, and I can just cut loose in my own home. But if you're out in public... You you just have to do it quietly under your breath. Like I said, you're not attacking people. You're not speaking to those people. You're not dealing with those people. You're dealing with the spirit behind them that's influencing them. You command them to come out and leave. We know, we know from the word, that anything that has to do with stealing, killing, and destroying... God does not want us to tolerate it. It's not of God. He does not want us to tolerate it. And he has given us authority over it. He wants us to exercise our authority over it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Which is quickly we just quickly end here in Luke 8 where, you know, Jesus told his disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side. And this storm uh, rose up. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And while they were going across, this storm arose suddenly there on the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples went and they woke Jesus up. Um... And uh, speaking of storms, you know, there are many Christians who believe when the storms of life come, uh, they believe that God's in the storm, they believe God allowed the storm, and, and that there's nothing they can personally do about it, uh, whether it's a physical storm or a spiritual storm, but, but that's not true. That's what we're learning here, that that God wants us to use our authority to deal with it the same way Jesus wanted the disciples to use their authority to deal with this storm on the Sea of Galilee. They went and they woke him up. And it says, uh, he rebuked the wind. He rebuked the wind. Again, he spoke to the wind with sharp disapproval. This is the third time in Luke that we've read where he rebuked something. He rebuked the evil spirit in the man. He rebuked the fever in the woman. And now he's rebuking the weather, the wind. Verse 34, verse 24, he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And what happened? They ceased and there was a calm. Jesus Jesus had to know this storm was not of God, or otherwise he wouldn't have rebuked it. Jesus had to know this storm was not of God. So when you see something stealing, killing, and destroying, what do you do? You stand up against it, you command it to stop, get out, cease to exist, cease cease and desist in its operation in your body, in your family in your finances, in your business, in your job. But if you don't believe in evil influences and you believe God is in everything and He's has some purpose in it, you're not going to do anything. And that's the great disadvantage that many Christians have. And that's why they're prey to the devil. And he comes in and takes them captive at His will. So it makes a lot of difference what you believe. Jesus rebuked evil spirits. He rebuked fevers. He rebuked the weather. Now some people would say, Well, Barb, yeah, that, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. You know, well, what about us? Well, what about the twelve disciples? He gave authority, the same authority, to tread on serpents and scorpions to the twelve disciples. He gave the same authority to the 70. What about the book of Acts? He gave the same authority to the early believers there. Jesus said the works I do you shall do also and greater works than these. So these people that make these excuses and explanations about well that was Jesus and we can't do that what are you going to do with this verse where Jesus said, The works I do, you shall do also in greater works than these. When Jesus left this planet, he fully intended for believers to carry on operating the way he operated. And that's why he did it. That's why it's written down and recorded for us. And the further away the body of Christ has gotten away from the Bible, and the more concerned... It's become with being socially acceptable and culturally acceptable and intellectual and educated, the more powerless and ineffective and defeated the church has become. And that's exactly why when we turn on the news, we see all these things happening. This is just the culmination of decades, decades of a weak and ineffective church in the earth. Jesus is showing us here How to live. And in verse 25, he said, where is your faith? Now, we saw Jesus's faith in action. He got up and he told the storm to stop and it stopped. And he, it was obvious that Jesus expected the disciples to do what he just did. And if they weren't capable of doing it, then Jesus had no right to say to them, where is your faith? He had no right to ask them that question if they weren't capable of doing it. Uh, Jesus was not operating as a son of God in the earth. Uh, Philippians 2 tells us that he left behind in heaven his divine privileges and his divine ability when he came to earth, and he came to earth as a man. And here he is showing us, here as a man, uh, as God in, and man on the earth, how to do it. He said, why did you wake me up? Why didn't you do something about this storm? We have been, oh, I don't want to skip verse 25. It says, they being afraid wondered, saying to one another, what manner of man, notice, what manner of man is this? Jesus did not minister on earth as the Son of God. Here we see he ministered as a man. They said, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. We've been given the name of Jesus. We have been given his authority. We have the greater one in us and on us. Jesus said, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So we need to start stepping up and operating more like the head of the church and not just tolerating this junk and believing that God is in it somehow. If we as New Testament believers, uh, if we have no power over the devil, then why does the New Testament tell us to give him no place? So now when you stand up to the devil and you command him to stop and get out, you have to believe that he's going to come out. You have to believe he's going to obey you. And whether it's immediate or not, it may not be immediate. you got to keep your faith intact. That, that that spirit heard you, that fever, that sickness or whatever, it heard you and it has to obey you. It may be immediate, it may not be immediate. And if it's not immediate, you have to keep your faith intact and you still have to keep believing. I spoke to that, I commanded that, and I gave the faith command, it has to obey me, it will come out in Jesus' name. It will obey me in Jesus' name. We know from the account of the fig tree, Jesus spoke to that fig tree and it was a period of time before it actually withered away. And if you're questioning whether the word works and whether this, your faith command works, if you're questioning it, it probably won't work. You have to believe by faith that it will work because Jesus said so. So when you speak to it, it will obey you the same as Jesus because it's his authority that you're operating in. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.